0: Text SHOW to 33777.
1: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3.
0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. If you're in Dayton, Ohio or Tulsa, Oklahoma or Jacksonville, Florida, you're so used to hearing me in the evenings and now I'm live in the middle of the day. And I'm glad to be with you. And by the way, those of you down in Jacksonville and Orlando, headed down there in April for some events, uh, stay tuned for that. Looking forward to it. The phone number here, this open line Friday, 877-973-7425. There's some breaking news just actually hit the wire. Let me read this to you. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is no longer recommending Americans stay home from work or school for five days after testing positive for COVID, a major shift in policy. The new guidance aligns COVID recommendations with other respiratory viral illnesses such as the flu and RSV. The simplified guidance recommends that even if they don't know what virus is causing their illness, people should stay home when they're sick and symptomatic and resume normal activities if their symptoms have been improving and they are fever-free for at least 24 hours without any medication. People who are at higher risk for severe illness who start to feel sick should seek health care right away. That's pretty remarkable, particularly because I know people who still uh, obsess about wearing masks everywhere. In fact, the the President uh, Trump's Surgeon General uh, on Twitter is claiming that he put on a mask on a flight and all these other people decided they would put on masks, too. That one person put on a mask inspired other people to put on masks. I kind of doubt that that story is true. I honestly, I noticed like so. I'm I'm taking my son on Sunday. We're gonna fly up to DC. We've we got it. Thankfully, the government shutdown has been put off for a week. We're gonna go to DC. I'll be off on Tuesday and Wednesday next week because I'll be touring with a group of ninth graders. May God have mercy on my soul. Uh, and but I'll do my show from Hillsdale College. Uh, they they got a campus in DC. I'll be doing my show from Hillsdale on Monday. Uh, and uh, going to to Washington, I am more likely to see people wearing masks on the plane than anywhere outside of California. It's just kind of telling to me. I don't wear a mask. I I still, by the way, think and I know you guys just everyone's so dogmatic about it. Um, if you do not have COVID and you are wearing a mask, it is not going to stop you from getting COVID. But I actually am in the camp and having read the research, do actually think that if you have COVID and wear an N95 mask, it actually does help limit your ability to spread it. Now, why is that? It's not because the virus can't penetrate the R S V The mask it can, it's because the airflow directs up and down and gravity takes over. Um, that's what the data seems to suggest. But if you, if you're, if you're, if you don't have COVID, if, you, if you're not sick, and you decide to wear a mask, it's not going to keep you from getting the virus. If you're, if, you got, if you're really sick and you wear a mask, it's just good manners. So you're not coughing all over everybody else, wear, wear your 95 mask. I, but I don't care. Some people have just, it, 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 I, there are people who get enraged right now when they see people wearing a mask and they want to mock them. Just like during COVID, there were the Karens of the world. I'm sorry, the awfuls, the affluent white female urban liberals. We no longer say Karen here because my friend Karen got upset. The affluent white female urban liberals, the, the, the awfuls. Remember when they were harassing people in stores who weren't wearing masks? Now people who, who aren't wearing masks are harassing people who wear masks. Just leave each other alone, for God's sake. Who cares? If someone wants to wear a mask, leave them alone. You also know they're probably like, got issues, so you should avoid them. But the CDC is now saying just for for all the rest, for RSV, for flu, for COVID, just if you're sick and you got symptoms, stay home. If you don't have fever for 24 hours, it's okay. That's a big change for COVID considering considering the pattern. Now, I wasn't actually going to start with that, but that just hit the wires, and I wanted you to know about it. What I wanted to start with, I wanted to start with something I talked about last night. So I'm at this group with guys We're we're talking about issues on the horizon. Uh, as you all know, if you're a listener to the program, I, I'm with the majority of Americans. I want to secure our border, and then I want to help Ukraine and Israel and Taiwan. I do want to help Ukraine. I think having the Ukrainians killing the Russians instead of us killing the Russians is a good thing. But we got to secure our border first. But I was asked, what's, what is a big issue? that I think about, that I think we should, as a nation, be thinking about, that is not getting talked about. The Monroe Doctrine. The Monroe Doctrine. When James Monroe was president of the United States, he essentially told European powers to stay out of the Western Hemisphere. And we need to go back to that, not with European powers, but with all powers. Did you know that the Brazilians, the the left-wing president of Brazil, is giving port entry to Iranians and Chinese? The left-wing president of Brazil is helping forge a South American military alliance with our enemies. We need a new Monroe Doctrine. The Chinese control the access points to the Panama Canal. They're buying up lithium mines in Central and South America. They're they're buying up mineral rights. The Chinese are actually in a military alliance with, with Mexico right now. They're sending Chinese troops into Mexico. Have you heard about that in the media, by the way? True story. I'm not making it up. The Chinese are in a military alliance with with Mexico. They're they're doing a um, oh what do you call it? They're they're sending a, a, a training back and forth. Mexican soldiers going to China, Chinese soldiers going to Mexico. An exchange. So one of the ideas that I support that that I really think we should pursue as a nation is instead of offshoring, I call it ally shoring. Instead of sending our manufacturing base to China, do you know who actually has become a, a, like, behind-the-scenes American ally? Publicly, we're at arm's length with them, but behind-the-scenes, we actually got pretty good relationships with their government. Believe it or not, Vietnam, remember them? The Vietnamese communists are worried about the Chinese communists and their growing sphere of influence. And so the Vietnamese have actually been, like, reaching out to the Americans for help. Thailand, India, these areas, uh, Malaysia have great manufacturing hubs that are pro-West. They're not pro-China. And then you've got Nile down in Argentina. You know Argentina at the turn of the 20th century was the wealthiest country in the Western Hemisphere. Argentinians are well-educated. They're bright. They've got a massive industrial base down there. We should be sending our businesses to do business in Argentina and show them that the free market and Miele's reforms can work. So Miele stays in power and has time to oversee his economic reforms in uh, Argentina. We should be doing whatever we can. Ally shore, not offshore, ally shore. We send the products we want to make cheaply to our allies uh, so that they can make them because they're too expensive for us to make at home. There is a national security policy that we should have in place for our military industrial complex and for our industrial base so that certain components of the military are made in the United States Chips and weapons and and even steel to a degree. I think we, we probably need in this country to be able to be made. We can't offshore everything. We've offshored so much that we need that our national security threats, if China were to cut off antibiotic supply, if China were to cut off certain chip components and rare earth minerals, our military would really be up a creek. But also... There's a lot of stuff you don't need to make in the United States of America. There's no reason for your kids' toys to be made in the United States of America. There's no reason for your phone to be made in the United States of America. There's no reason for Apple to manufacture its devices at scale in the United States because the cost of labor is so much it would make their good costs skyrocket, it would make it way more expensive for the average American to be able to buy an iPhone or a Mac or an iPad. There's no reason to build those things in the United States. Now, there are some Americans delusionally who think we should make everything in the United States. And they're paying way more than they should for a lot of stuff. And oftentimes, they're paying more for stuff that is made in in manufacturing facilities that are inferior to things you get abroad. That's just the God's honest truth, whether you like to believe it or not. Sometimes, Because of unionization and the skyrocketing costs of labor and goods in the United States, you can make things cheaper and better abroad. Should our rocket components be made in the U.S.? Absolutely. Should our iPhones be made in the United States? I don't know why. They don't need to be made in China, though. You know, Apple is working very hard to disentangle itself from China and get its manufacturing hubs out of China. They're looking at uh, not just Taiwan, because Taiwan's militarily vulnerable. They're looking at Vietnam. They're looking at Thailand. They're looking at India. They're even looking in Central and South America. They should. We need to consider this new Monroe Doctrine as a nation. We need to consider making sure that uh, the the eastern powers – understand that the Western Hemisphere is not a place they get to set up shop, and the Biden administration is dropping the ball altogether on this. The Trump administration kind of got it. They worked very hard to try to oust Maduro in Venezuela. They worked very hard to work with uh, Bukele and others as they were rising to power in Central and South America. Bukele is actually an intriguing guy who has won reelection. Uh, figured out a constitutional loophole to win reelection. election has cracked down on the gang violence, uh, made his country the safest country in Central America. And you know, the Biden administration doesn't like him. The Biden administration genuinely doesn't like the guy. They say he he abuses human rights. Joe Biden is so desperate to be the second coming of Jimmy Carter, and Jimmy Carter is when we really slipped on on um, uh, the Monroe Doctrine. Hello, getting rid of the Panama Canal, Jimmy Carter. We should have never gotten rid of the Panama Canal. Y'all, we've got to rethink our national security policies and prioritize the Western Hemisphere. Listen, I want to help the Ukrainians. I do. I think the Ukrainians killing the Russians is better than us, but Ukraine's going to have to make some compromises and in this war. If they do, Crimea belongs to Russia. Catherine the Great invaded and took it from the Turks. It should have stayed with Russia after the fall of the Soviet Union. They gave it to Ukraine. They should never have done that. I am totally fine with Russia owning owning Crimea and uh, taking the the eastern parts of, of Ukraine that already spoke Russian. They didn't speak Ukrainian. They spoke Russian. Leave the rest of Ukraine alone. Get out of Ukraine in this war. There's going to be this massive landmine casualty and cost that we're going to have to deal with in Ukraine. We should be funding the Ukrainians so that the Russians can't keep taking their territory and advancing, but also pushing them to have peace with redefined boundaries. But we should be helping the Ukrainians. But we really got to think about the Western Hemisphere. We haven't thought about the Western Hemisphere in a long time. And in the process, Iran, Russia, and China have been creeping in. The Chinese in particular, funding the Cubans and helping the Cubans, and the Cubans have had expansionist tendencies as well. These are not good stabilizing things that we need to think about as a country, and Joe Biden can't think about them because Joe Biden can't find his way off the stage when he shuts up. And progressives are hostile to the very idea. Progressives are hostile to the idea because they believe that borders were set by white oppressors. That's the main reason they like open borders is because they believe that borders, national borders, particularly in the United States, were set by white colonizing oppressors. And the southern border we took from Mexico, so obviously we're the bad guys and should in some way give it back and and get rid of Texas anyway because the Texans are the Texans. They don't like it. We have got to reassort territorial integrity in this country. We've got to territory, uh, reassert territorial claims in the Western Hemisphere. It is something that I hope if the Trump administration comes back into power, they take very seriously. It is time to reassert the Monroe Doctrine. It is time to drive Iran, China, and Russia out of the Western Hemisphere. It is time for the United States to reassert itself for our own national security stake. And it is time for us to stop sending China everything to build and instead send it to our allies and help them generate an industrial manufacturing base. And we
1: should be looking at doing that in Argentina to help President Milei. Well, this is some impressive
0: breaking news happening now. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, this open line Friday, 877-973-7425. Uh, ben Sass, the president of the University of Florida, is announcing uh, that they have that the University of Florida has closed the office of the Chief Diversity Officer, has eliminated all DEI positions and administrative appointments related to DEI halted all DEI-focused contracts with outside vendors, 13 positions are eliminated, 15 administrative positions were ended for faculty. The money will be redirected to recruit new faculty to the uh, University of Florida. The eliminated employees will receive 12 weeks of standard pay and are encouraged to apply for other available positions at the University of Florida no later than April 15th. The University of Florida's Chief Diversity Officer's website declared the office's mission as charting the, quote, inclusive excellence strategy for the University of Florida, noting that inclusion is one of the University of Florida's six core values. Um, Thus ends DEI at the University of Florida. The memo from SAS says, quote, The University of Florida is and will always be unwavering in our commitment to universal human dignity as we educate students by thoughtfully engaging a wide range of ideas and views. We will continue to foster a community of trust and respect for every member of the Gator Nation. The University of Florida is an elite institution because of our incredible faculty who are committed to teaching, discovering and serving. You know, I I know Ben Sass. I I think the world of Ben Sass uh, and He is a a Christian conservative who they were outraged uh, the progressives were at the University of Florida that he would be put in place. Now, he's complying with the Florida law, but he's going beyond it uh, and using the money to recruit uh, newer faculty for the University of Florida. It is, you know, uh, leadership matters and having a leader like that at the University of Florida is a great thing. Uh, So kudos to Ben Sasse. Breaking news here. He's eliminating the office of DEI at the University of Florida uh, and getting rid of all of the employees. That's what we want to see. The counter-revolution against DEI begins in Florida. DeSantis should be happy. 877-973-7425 is the phone number here. Should you wish to be on the program, I'll take your phone calls on the other side of the break. Right now, I need to tell you about my bank, Old Glory Bank. Old Glory Bank can be your bank. And when you get a checking and or a savings account with them, you get no fees on those accounts. I have both. I got a checking and a savings account with them, and they get great interest rates on the savings accounts. I might add, uh, you can also do loans with them, uh, home loans, whatever you need. Your mortgage, FHA, conventional, VA. They're a real bank. They are committed to you. They won't share your information with the federal government. Uh, they will not bar your transactions because they don't like who you're doing business with. They support family values. They are uh, just a good conservative bank. You can open an account with them at OldGloryBank.com. It takes less than eight minutes. To get your account set up with them then you can do checking and savings out of the gate and again no fees and you can even deposit cash into your bank uh, around the nation at various retail locations they make it very easy i've done it on multiple times for my kids and for me oldglorybank.com is where you want to go it is my bank legitimately i've i've had a bank out with them for about a year now i'm glad they're an advertiser now oldglorybank.com member fdic equal housing lender terms and conditions apply you should go check them out today Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. So because I had to hear about it, I'm going to share with you guys. My wife called me during commercial break. So if, okay, if y'all are new around here, my wife has gotten into strongman training with, with, with stage four lung cancer. She decided she wanted a challenge and she's been doing uh strongman training and she's trying to get to catch me in the deadlift, she's not going to, by the way. Um, and, but she pulled a UPS truck, she sure did. Uh, 26,000 pound UPS truck, she pulled one something like 25 feet. It was an impressive feat. And so, there's a woman who she did this Christy, my wife, did the strongman competition. There's a woman who was one of the judges. Now, I have to tell y'all, this woman clearly does steroids. And I, my wife told me that this woman was going to be there and I looked for her the entire time of my life. So what do you mean? You didn't see her. She was the judge the whole time. I was like, I didn't see anybody except for that guy. She's like, that's her. Uh, y'all, I have sent the picture of this woman. She is by the way, very nice. Um, she and her husband, both very nice people. Uh, but she clearly has done a lot of steroids and is, is huge. Um, huge. Well, my wife was watching a short time ago in a strongman competition as this lady was trying to deadlift. Probably the, the I mean the, the the red flag was she was lifting six hundred sixty six pounds, six six six, and just fell over. Looks like she tore her hamstring off her backside. Ow! I don't know that I needed to needed to know that, but now that I know it, now y'all have to think about that too. And now I'm going to go to the phones. <laughs> okay, I've been very confused here. So, so Donald, well, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm fine, thank you for taking
2: my call and well, continued it, prayers for your wife thank and her you. health. Uh, yeah, Donald,
0: um, I, I gotta, I gotta just tell you, I, I was very confused here a minute because I see on the call screen program Donald thinks Trump. Uh, in handcuffs, silver bullet. I'm like, okay, Donald Trump thinks what? And it's like, what? No, oh, Donald's the name of the caller. <laughs> yes, I'm the name of the
2: caller. Um, uh, real quickly, two quick comments. The first one was uh, Nicole Wallace is back on on her show, and she's had Lisa Rubin and several others on, uh, talking about the Alvin Bragg uh, hush money pa- payments case and how they they think that uh first of all it's new york and and everybody hates donald trump up there right. pretty much and i don't believe he's getting a fair trial he's not gotten a fair trial oh no I absolutely not everything to be a, a witch hunt up there with what's going on with the the fines and everything but i i they seem to think and i i have to believe he's going to be found guilty of and the hush money uh, payments trial just because it is New York mm-hmm. and um whether or not he's going to be taken into custody uh I don't know about that, but there there's that possibility and my other comment real when listening while I was waiting on the phone uh you forgot to mention uh the foreign nationals or foreign governments foreign corporations uh regarding the Monroe doctrine and manifest destiny uh the the number of of foreigners that have been purchasing land yes. uh, here in the United States. And I just wanted to, that was my second comment. You know,
0: I, So I'm glad you said that because uh, Steve Daines, who's the chair of the National Republican Senatorial Committee, he's a senator from Montana. Uh, I, actually, I think it's him. He's filed legislation now to prohibit foreign nationals from purchasing land in the United States. It's a tr- tr- tricky constitutional issue over whether or not you can do that, but I, I think he's found a way. Uh, to be able to make it more difficult for foreigners to be able to do that, because it there it, it's a it is a huge issue in this country, particularly the Chinese buying up land near military installations um, and, and buying up a lot of American companies, like the major what is it Smithfield, the bacon company owned by a, a Chinese conglomerate now, and and a bunch of other American companies are now subsidiaries of Chinese companies. It, it's a the Chinese are are playing us in ways that uh, it's it's a dangerous thing for us in this country. I, You know, I'm, I'm glad you, by the way, mentioned the Alvin Bragg case, Donald, because I, I hadn't spent a lot of time on it. it. It's the case that even the Democrats acknowledge is the weak case. You notice they don't talk about it a lot. Uh, they don't talk about it a lot because the case is not a good case. So here, here's the situation. Alvin Bragg is claiming, now you got to follow along with me here. This is about the payments to Stormy Daniels, that a third party made payments on behalf of Donald Trump, and that's a federal campaign violation. And because it's a federal campaign violation, Alvin Bragg claims it's a state campaign violation. But Donald Trump was never found guilty of a federal campaign finance violation. In fact, this particular provision of federal campaign finance law, no person in the history of the American Republic has ever been found guilty of violating this provision of federal campaign finance law. So what Alvin Bragg is trying to do is claim that because Donald Trump violated this provision that no one's found him guilty of violating, he's also violated a New York state criminal provision that you can't violate campaign finance laws. Now, Here's the other thing you got to know about federal campaign finance law. And by the way, I I should note this. If you think I'm talking out of turn or do not know what I'm talking about, I was an elections lawyer for six years. Not only was I an, an elections lawyer in Georgia, I dealt with the Federal Election Commission on behalf of clients as a campaign finance lawyer. Uh, for elections, I, I actually this is the area of law I practiced. You could say I'm somewhat of an expert in it. I know about which I speak. You, federal election law says only the feds can go after federal electioneering violations. It is a clear and explicit part of federal law. Only the federal government can prosecute federal election violations. Donald Trump was never prosecuted for a federal election violation. And Alvin Bragg's theory of his case, a theory that none of the prosecutors in New York bought, in fact, one that multiple prosecutors in Alvin Bragg's office have said he should not have brought, Alvin Bragg's theory of the case is that he can convince a judge and jury in New York that Donald Trump violated federal election law and therefore violated state election law, even though the feds have never charged Donald Trump with or found him guilty of a violation of federal campaign finance law. And you know, the, the sad, sick reality of it, like Donald was saying, yeah, probably gonna, probably gonna find him guilty in New York because they hate him. He's not going to be able to get a fair trial, but on appeal, he'll, he'll win. And unlike these civil cases where Donald Trump has to post a bond of massive values, I don't think he's going to have to. And, and I think the New York law only applies to civil cases that the bond law doesn't apply to criminal cases. Now, that I don't know for sure, but I think that's the case. It's, it's a setup. It's a setup to take out Donald Trump. And it's a very weak case. It's a case that never should have been brought there's only so much that the Trump team can do to fight it before the case happens. And he may very well be found guilty because it's New York and they hate him. And on appeal, I I don't have any doubt he's gonna win. And because they're using federal campaign law to claim a state campaign law violation, this will be appealable in federal courts and Donald Trump will get a more favorable trial in those federal courts uh, it, when it's appealed because you're, you're basing it off of federal law. And that federal law, again, I think it's worth noting that the federal campaign finance laws of the United States are very clear that states are not allowed to prosecute people for federal campaign violations. And so Alvin Bragg isn't prosecuting Donald Trump for violating a federal campaign violation. He's prosecuting Trump for a state violation that says if you violate federal campaign law, you have violated state campaign law. And I don't know that that state law in New York can actually be constitutional because what it amounts to is the state trying to prosecute someone for violating a federal campaign law when the federal government says you're not allowed to do that. I think this whole structure – That Alvin Bragg has has worked for this case in New York is unconstitutional. And that's why so many, including people in Alvin Bragg's office, have said this is a very weak case. It's why it doesn't get massive media exposure. It's why even Democrats prefer not to talk about it. And remember what happened with Alvin Bragg indicting Donald Trump. It ensured Donald Trump would be the Republican nominee. Donald Trump's popularity skyrocketed, skyrocketed. Once ever, Remember, historically, it is a fact. Ron DeSantis was leading in the polling until the moment Alvin Bragg announced his indictment and Republicans circled the wagons around Donald Trump. And it is a garbage trial. You all know I, I, I'm not a huge fan of Donald Trump. I will defend Donald Trump till my dying breath on this. He should not. This, there is no way this should be prosecuted. In the same way, the, the fraud trial in New York, the fraud trial was a scam in New York. The banks literally did their own due diligence. I have friends of mine who are so poisoned in their hatred of Donald Trump, they can't understand why the fraud trial was wrong. The facts of the fraud trial are very straightforward. Donald Trump overinflated the values of his properties in order to get loans from banks. The state says, and the judge found, that Donald Trump was able to get more money than he should have been able to get and he defrauded banks. But there is a massive flaw in the case. The banks all did arm's length transactions with Donald Trump and they had the right to investigate and see whether or not they believed his claims. And in all but one of the cases, they did their own evaluation and decided he had overinflated prices and Trump settled for a lower price and less money in the loans, and he paid it all back. There is no victim in this case. And I had a lawyer come after me that said, there's always a victim in a fraud case. Well, who's the victim here? Who is the victim in this case? The banks? No, the banks got to do an arm's length investigation in a transaction with Donald Trump and come up with their own values, and Trump agreed to their values. No one's been taken advantage of. And that ultimately is why I think if Donald Trump can come up with the money, he can appeal this case. The problem for Trump though, is he's got to come up with money to pay E. Jean Carroll, and he's got to come up with money to post a bond to be able to appeal. It it is something like total. In total, Donald Trump's got to come up with over $500 million cash he does not readily have available. I was actually talking to someone the other day who is one of the people who's uh, working with him to post bond and talking about how uh, bond authorities are maxing out on these cases, and some of the bond companies don't want to work with Trump because they don't like him. I have a friend who says all of this is a self-inflicted wound by Donald Trump. And maybe he's right. That had Trump not provoked these people in, in, in certain ways, he wouldn't have had this stuff brought on him. But at the end of the day, wrong is wrong and right is right. And it is wrong to hold Donald Trump accountable for fraud in an arm's length transaction where the banks had their own right to do due diligence. And they did. And they said, by the way, not only did he pay back the money with interest, but they do business with him again. And on the other half, it is wrong to charge Donald Trump with violating a law that Donald Trump has not been found guilty of violating. And the state can't find him guilty of violating You can't, the state of New York cannot find Donald Trump guilty of violating a federal campaign finance law because federal law prohibits the state from prosecuting him. So they have to convince a jury that Donald Trump violated a law they can't prosecute him on in order to then prosecute him for state law. That entire structure should be unconstitutional. I think it is, and I think he's got an appeal. But the problem is he's gotta go through this charade in New York City and makes him a very sympathetic figure. The American people, they may not like Donald Trump, but they also understand when you're abusing the system to go after someone, and that makes them sympathetic. The Democrats really firmly believe, and I think they're right, that the ongoing harassment and and what the Republicans are doing to Hunter Biden make him a sympathetic figure in the minds of some of the public. And you may hate him, you may not find him sympathetic, but I actually do believe there are enough suckers in this country that they will finally arrive at, oh, poor Hunter Biden, he's been through so much oh, poor Joe Biden, look at the Republicans using his son to try to take him out. I I firmly believe there are enough suckers out there who will believe that. I also believe there are enough people out there who will look at what New York is doing to Donald Trump and say, yeah, I don't like the guy, but this is wrong. I don't like the guy, but if they can do that to him, they can do it to anyone. And that's wrong. And I think at the end of the day, these prosecutors in New York play into Donald Trump's hands. Jack Smith, I think, is playing into Donald Trump's hands. At the end of the day, Donald Trump is blessed beyond measure with idiots for enemies. Now, let me tell you about Stamps.com before I get out of here, because Stamps.com wants your business, and you should do business with them. If you're a small business, if you ship a lot of, a lot of packages, or, you know, honestly, If you just send a lot of letters and stuff, you you can generate postage at stamps.com. You never have to go to the post office. You don't have to go to the UPS store. And you can get 89% off UPS and post office rates for shipping. They can save you. Real money, they really can save you money for shipping. You can sort through the fastest shipping time or the cheapest shipping time. You can use your computer and or mobile device and a printer to print the labels. You can even order the labels and supplies, even the boxes and bubble wrap from stamps.com. All you do is go to stamps.com, click the microphone, put in my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You have this limited time offer of a free digital scale, some free postage. There's no contract saying this is the great thing about it. No contract, no long-term commitment. I have on and off for 20 years. Use stamps.com. And I say on and off because there were times when I was winding down my law practice, I needed to use them a lot. And then there was a time where I didn't need to use them. And and now suddenly I find myself using them a lot to send packages around the country to folks. Oh, you go to stamps.com. You click the microphone and you put in Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You can get shipping and saving today with Stamps.com. Arrange pickup at your home and office. Never stand in line again. And get your supplies from Stamps.com. Welcome. It is Eric Erikson here. My buddy Bo Snurdly uh, just directed my attention on Twitter to this story at the Daily Mail. Uh, District Attorney Deborah Gonzalez in Athens, Clark County, Georgia, where Lake and Riley was murdered. Dismissed charges against a child rapist, and then a jury convicted him of crimes in 45 minutes. So the, the DA there has, by the way, lost every case. She, she's a terrible DA. She was an entertainment lawyer. She wasn't a criminal defense attorney. Uh, it, Georgia has something called, um, what is it, Marcy's Law? Um, it, there was victim's rights under Marcy's Law. In this case, it's a, a child rapist, Michael Loreco Daniel is 43. He was convicted on all counts of raping a 14-year-old relative three years ago. Gonzalez had dismissed the case against him, saying there wasn't enough evidence. Uh, The police asserted that there was enough evidence. They went in with a warrant and gathered a little more evidence, and he was convicted in less than 45 minutes, and she didn't think she could convict him. She didn't think there was enough evidence. Y'all you get the government you vote for. Lake and Riley is dead because Jose Ibarra murdered her. But Jose Ibarra was put in a position to murder Lake and Riley because the sheriff in Clark County, the district attorney in Clark County, and the progressive majority of the athens Clark County Commission put in place policies that made it easy for him to stay there, made it easy for him to get away with committing other crimes there, made it easy for an illegal alien. Their obligation should have been to the citizens. Instead, they made it easy for the illegal alien. The mayor of Clark County had the audacity to want to lecture people on Donald Trump saying not nice things. Wanted to deny they were a sanctuary city when he himself was complicit in putting in place the policies to encourage athens Clark County to turn a blind eye to criminal illegal aliens. And then the voters in Clark County put in place Deborah Gonzalez as a DA who said that she would take into account an undocumented immigrant status knowing that it could just be not good for them. They made the lawbreakers the victims, and the real victim is dead. Y'all, come on. This is just, they got to do better. You guys have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday.